It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. Today, I got Daryl Thompson joining me in the Hanging Ron Johnson segment, former Packer, former Gopher. So double-edged sword. We're going to talk a little bowl game. We're also going to talk about this Packers-Vikings game coming up. How important is it? Does the weather matter? Is this going to be a run game? We'll let, see what Daryl has to say about that. We'll talk about that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm ready for this. Packers, Vikings on a Sunday. Got moved to prime time. 325 Central Standard Time, 425 Eastern, for those keeping track. And the Vikings have to travel to Green Bay. Well, the good thing about it being around 325, Sunday will be out a little bit longer than normal of, of a noon kickoff. But then as it gets into those wee hours, 6, 7 p.m., those temps could drop. So where does this Vikings team go from there? What does this mean for this Vikings team? How important is this win? Because they're in the playoffs. There's a chance, small chance, to get the number one seed. There's also a small chance they end up in the three seed. But does it matter? Does two really matter over three? One, I get it. You get a bye. You get to rest. So one is very important. But if the Eagles win and you can't get it, how important is that? But two and three? It's a toss-up because you might get the Packers. You might get the Commanders. You could get the Giants. At that point, which one, which game matters more? I have an opinion, actually, on that. And it depends on who ends up in the seventh seed. Oddly enough to say. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, remember, Amazon Fire and Roku, there's an app now for Locked On Sports Minnesota. Just go to search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Go to your search Add apps, go to Locked On Sports Minnesota, add the app right to your screen. You can jump on it anytime you want, and you can watch our shows or get all of our videos as well and go back and watch some previous segments. We've had Adam Thielen on. We've had Cam Bynum on. You might want to go back and check those out. Josh Metellus as well. Some good stuff there, people. But as I bring Sam Extraman, my producer, I got to talk about it. So, Sam, here we go. This is the biggest issue I have with the way the games are are slated, I guess. Mm-hmm. If the Packers beat the Vikings, and then the Packers win again, Commanders and, and, and Giants, as we talked about, and the Packers end up the seventh seed, I personally, and we know what Chuck Foreman said yesterday, I don't know if I want to play. I don't know if I want to play the Packers at seven. I'm with you. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I think I would rather take on the Commanders or the Giants. I just do. I just feel like those are more winnable games than playing the Packers. Now, you will get the Packers at home, but you're getting Aaron Rodgers indoors. You're getting Aaron Rodgers with, and not to say he needs motivation, um, but you're getting an Aaron Rodgers who's been hiawaskaed. He's seen the mountaintop. He's understood his purpose. 
and now he's just coming to be a gunslinger. And 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 that's one of those guys. Uh, I can't remember the movie, but it was Mel Gibson, his dad. They were they were poker players. I know you probably haven't seen it because you don't watch movies uh, unless it was <laughs> after right 1990. <laughs> but there's a poker movie. Um, it's not Rounders because that's with uh, Matt Damon, uh, John Malkovich. They're young poker players, kind of like new to it. Um, it's Maverick. Maverick uh, was an old poker movie. And so, again, if you've seen, I don't know if you have you seen Rounders, Sam? I've seen Rounders. Okay, you've seen Rounders. Not. Thank goodness. Yeah. So you've seen Rounders. So if you liked Rounders, you'll really like Maverick because Maverick uh, takes place in the olden times. Like they, it, it kind of set back to horses and boats with gas engines and all that stuff uh, with coal miners and. But him, he, and you don't know is his dad. Like it, it's him and his partner uh, and a young lady as well uh, traveling with them. And basically, in the end. I uh, won't ruin it for you because watch, it's a good movie, but they're on this poker. The very end is like this whole big poker tournament they've been working up to, which is a ton of money. Like everybody puts in a lot of money. Um, long story short, he ends up coming in uh, being one of these great poker players. And so when you think about that, um, when you think about a chip chair and a chance, and that's kind of what it is. Maverick is like, I'm never out of the poker tournament. I can win the tournament at any time because I'm, you know, I'm magic. Like, I, as long as I have a chip, chair, and a chance, I can win this. And that's where I feel like Aaron Rodgers is. He's kind of a chip, chair, and a chance type of guy. Like, he's a guy that as long as you ha- give him one one inkling of like, uh, I can win this. And that's what I, I don't want to see. I don't want to deal with Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs because that just, that just makes it even more of a tighter game. Giants commanders as a three seed, I, I wouldn't mind it. I definitely wouldn't mind it because if the two seed is the 49er, I feel like the Packers could beat them if they're the seven. Packers end up beating them. And I don't know if the NFL does this. They reseed it once the winners come up. Uh, I think they, yeah, they do. do. Yeah. So if the Packers were to beat the 49ers, perfect case scenario, they have to then travel to the Eagles. And now the Eagles got to deal with the Packers. The Vikings can then go in and play Dallas or Tampa. I mean, come on now. Dallas or Tampa? That's not a bad way for them to have to travel to Minnesota. I don't think Dallas will do what they did before because this team is different from those two. Even the Eagles lost. They're different now. They know how to come back. They know how to fight through adversity. Um, but, I, but I look at that, and you got Tampa and Dallas. And then let's just say Aaron Rodgers is on a heater, and he somehow beats the injured Jalen Hurts-led Eagles, where Jalen Hurts is going to try to grit it through and play, and he doesn't have it all. And that Packers defense is good. They are aggressive. They're playing in Philly, so playing outdoors for them is nothing. And then the Packers have to travel back to the Vikings for the NFC Championship. What better story could have been written in Kevin O'Connell's first season for Hollywood? The Packers travel to Minnesota for the NFC Championship game? And then the Vikings lose to the Packers. And Now, that would be the movie. That would be the movie. The Packers, as a 7th seed, go to the Super Bowl first time. They end up going over and beating, you know, uh, the Chiefs or the Bills or something. And then Aaron Rodgers retires. Like, I can see Hollywood writing that because there's always a point in Hollywood where you can't have a perfect ending. It has to be some tears from the fans watching the movie. And that would be the tearjerker where Kevin O'Connell loses his first season. Everybody assumed he won the Super Bowl. And then the Vikings never make it back again. No, (laughs) I'm not going to ruin people's hopes and dreams. Don't don't say that, Ron. Come on. (laughs) But but that's where I do go with this. Like, I don't I don't really know if the two seed is as important because you as a three, you get a home field. And then especially if it is a Packers in the playoffs type of situation, like if the Packers beat the Vikings at that point, I don't know if 
beating the Bears is as important, but we'll get into that later. I, I did, you know, kind of tease. And, and, you know, and you tell me your thoughts. What What are your thoughts? Do you think two and three mm-hmm. seed matter? I know one matters, but does two and three matter? I think it does. Um, I just have a lot of respect for San Francisco. And I think that the 49ers have won eight games in a row. And if you want to slow them down, you got to get them in your building. I don't care if it's Garoppolo. I don't care if it's Brock Purdy. Their defense is so good, and their offense executes. They are a tactful offense. Kyle Shanahan is a wizard at drawing up successful plays that empower the quarterback and make life easy for them. Their running game is great. I don't want to play San Francisco in that building, and maybe I'm still a little bit haunted by the 2019 playoff game where they went and, and, and got destroyed. Um. But I don't know if I want to play Green Bay either, Ron. I mean, uh, it, so that might be the one reason to to get knocked down to a three. And then you can play like New York again, which I think is probably a better matchup. A uh, little history lesson. When the Packers won the Super Bowl with Rodgers, they had to win all their games on the road. Mm-hmm. They had to win at Philly, at Atlanta, and at Chicago to make the Super Bowl. So they have done it before. And I think Aaron Rodgers is not afraid of any road environment so i'd be a little bit gun shy about that one yeah i mean and that's 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 where i go i mean there's if i had to pick the order of teams i'd want to play in that seven seed i'm gonna kind of rank them commanders giants and then the packers like i'd rather take on the commanders again first then the giants because the giants weren't an easy out that was a tough game and then i'm gonna go with uh the packers even though the packers that was one of their (laughs) biggest wins as far as win to you know point total um, I just don't see it happening that way again. Like, I just think the Packers have gotten better. Christian Watson has gotten better. Um, Romeo Dubs has gotten better. Like, when they played the Vikings early in the season, which I think we all kind of said that, that was the best time to play the Packers. Early in the season, playing the Packers when they haven't really jailed together yet. Honestly, I wish, I wish that game, and I don't know why the NFL keeps doing this. They do it every year. I wish that first game was in Green Bay because it is September. It is, you know, early. And you do have warm weather in Green Bay. And then when it's cold, like now in January, then the Packers travel to Minnesota. Why not do it that way? Like, I don't understand why they keep doing the Packers first and then the Vikings second. Um, it just doesn't make sense. You know, Daryl Thompson brought that up as well. And, and we'll, we'll hear from him a little bit about that. But, you know, the Lions and Packers, when back when he played, you know, same thing. The Lions would be indoors early in September for the Packers, and then it's going to the Pack. In January, and he's like, why are we doing this? We should be get, taking advantage of every indoor stadium we can in the winter. And I, I really do believe that, but I also get it. A Green Bay backdrop for New Year's Day. It is sexy. It is nice. But, I mean, U.S. Bank Stadium is no slouch when you talk about now what it's built, what it looks like on TV. I think it's one of the best videotaped uh, stadiums when you do the lights and all the things you can do with it. Uh, it'll be New Year's Day. And then I wouldn't have had to... Like at New Year's Day, I would have get to I would have got to chill here, you know. But I also, you know, I don't mind roll games sometimes because I get to be at home and watch them in, in the studio. So it is nice and toasty for us in the studio. We don't have to be outside, you know. US Bank Stadium is our on set deal. We're indoors, thank goodness. It's not T you know, Huntington Bank still, because that was freezing cold. Um, but yeah, Sam, I I I I think those are my that's how I would rank it. And what I what I think is the biggest issue with this team is 
it's going to come down to how this Packers game looks. Now, if they go in and, again, J.J. has 210 yards, uh, takes over the Calvin Johnson lead, they blow the Packers' doors off because uh, the Packers look bad. If you look at some of these games, they look bad. The other teams just can't put them away. But if, yeah. if Aaron Rodgers making these mistakes, throwing interceptions, there's fumbles, uh, and the Vikings just look really good, then I'm like, I don't care. Like, who cares what seed they get? Uh, but we'll get into that because if they win or lose, I know we'll be talking to Daily Three, there's some questions in there about J.J. So if they win the Packers game, what do you do with J.J. in the Week uh, 18 game versus the Bears? If they lose to the Packers, so win or lose? Win, what do you do with J.J.? Lose, what do you do with J.J.? There's because And not just J.J. I mean, you got Kirk. You got Adam Thielen who needs a rest. You got Zedarius that needs a rest. There's a lot of players you have to think about win or lose this Packers game. How do you handle it? Because if you lose, the number one seed is out. You can't get it. And I'm guessing you hope the 49ers lose. But we'll talk about that in the daily three. But coming up next, we got my man Daryl Thompson. I'm excited to have Daryl Thompson join me uh, because it's the it's bowl game season. And uh, there are some 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 pressing questions I need to get out of him about this bowl game. It is in in Yankee Stadium, but there's a lot of consternation with Gophers fans about which bowl game they should have gotten. Uh, you saw the guarantee rate bowl last night. Wisconsin unfortunately won. Uh, Twenty four. Oklahoma State is terrible. None of their players play. None of the Wisconsin players play. I, I for like when I was watching the game, I was kind of confused. I'm like, who is this coach? And I'm like, oh, Luke Fickle. Most coaches coach their team to the end. No, this guy just jumped. Screw Cincinnati. I'm going to Wisconsin. I'm gonna coach the bowl game. Like, how arrogant are you to not let Jim Leonard finish the season out? That, to me, was a slap in the face, but that's a totally different question. That's Wisconsin for you. But, hey, people, check out the Minnesota football party on Mondays and Thursdays. Get your Vikings fixed with the Refasan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I do join it on Thursdays, so check that out. I always have a good take here and there and a good movie reference. I even have to have a Lindsay. I got to find a way to bring Lindsay Lohan into the pod this week. I'll figure that one out because it's going to come to me. It always hits me. But we have a word from our sponsors. I think up some good daily three questions for Lindsay Lohan, for sure. Uh, BetOnline.net brings you today's show. It is your number one source for sports betting trends, analysis, news, and everything around sports wagering. You can get all the lines for all the games. That's bowl season included. The Gophers are favored by nine and a half in the pinstripe bowl, over under 41 and a half against Syracuse. That's Thursday at one o'clock. Also, Vikings, Packers, Packers are favored in that game. Right now, it's by three and a half over under 47 and a half. Get all that data, all that news at betonline.net. They've also got sports podcasts there as well. Check it out on your mobile device. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Well, I'm glad I get Daryl Thompson finally joining me in the Ron Johnson segment. Hang on, Ron Johnson. And, uh, it's a big week. This is kind of a dual week yet again. Uh, Daryl Thompson, friend of the program. But you got the Gophers in Syracuse playing in the Pinstripes Bowl in New York. Daryl is going to head out to New York this week as well. But then you also have the Packers and the Vikings. Daryl Thompson, as you know, was uh, drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Even though he is a Gopher and we love him for his Gopher hood, there's a lot of fans that can't get behind the Packer life. But you know what? The NFL is the NFL. Definitely a blessing. Glad to have Daryl Thompson join me. Uh, here I want to jump out there. You're headed out to New York, and everybody talks about you know the Citrus Bowl, Florida, Texas, uh, San Diego. I want to go to California. I want to go to Disney World. But then it's New York. When you think about the Pinstripe Bowl in New York City, 
What are your thoughts as that as a bowl bid? You know what? I think it's an opportunity. You know, I think that's uh, the biggest deal for the kids. They get an opportunity to play another bowl game. They get an opportunity to have some fun. Uh, and do we get to tour? But, uh, you know, do we want to go be uh, on the beach? Do we want to be warm? Do we want to have a little opportunity to, uh, you know, catch some race, walk around in some shorts? Uh, we certainly would. But uh, <laughs> New York is, uh, you know, I think about when I was a kid listening to hip hop and rap music growing up. I think New York, big city of dreams and uh, all those types of things. So it's a uh, it'll be a fun place and um, we'll make the best of it. I also think about the New York Yankees. We're going to play and I've never been inside Yankee Stadium. So to get an opportunity to go out and to, to be in Yankee Stadium to broadcast a game there should be a lot of fun. And you are broadcast partner of Mike Grimm. And, and from what I've heard, because I did the PJ Flex show this week with Justin Gard, and then I'm also going to do a show uh, tomorrow. We're doing a special PJ Flex show slash go for pregame preview um, tomorrow as well. And there's been like rumors of Mike Grimm not being too happy with the baseball stadium because of where his booth is and calling the game from the end zone. How do you make sure to, to kind of keep Grimm uh, ready to go when he's not used to his 50-yard line, perfect spot at TCF or, or sorry, Huntington Bank or one of those great football stadiums being in a baseball arena? How do you deal with that? Because I know Mike Grimm can kind of be in his own ways. Hey, you know what? i tell you what, it is difficult. I broadcast a few games. We broadcasted the, the bowl game last year from Arizona, and it was from the end zone. And we were trying to see what happens from the end zone. You do not get a very good view of what's going on. <laughs> so I'm going to be with Grant, but we're going to do our absolute best to uh, call the game. I was actually talking to my wife a little bit about it. I said, man, it is tough. She's like, oh, you poor guy. You got to go to New York. got to broadcast a game, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it is uh, challenging to call a game when you don't see one side of the ball very well so yeah the 40 the 50 yard line the 35 yard line would be better than the corner of the end zone when you get to see the uh you know the trainers and the doctors yep. and um you know uh, the players that are out of the game and then you can be really far away from the game when when it goes the other side of the field so it's uh it will be a challenge to call the game from there but you know mike and i will uh we'll try to not talk about oh. it very much but uh, it will be a challenge and we'll be some of the games are going to get called from the monitor because that's all that we're going to have a view of. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have the the TV on because uh, we're going to have a little watch party, but I'm definitely going to have the K fan uh, stream going on my Alexa because I can't wait for Grim to kind of do one of the like oh because I know he loves to just say whatever now because he understands people love uh, when you guys just go after it and ad lib it and just have fun with it. And I can see Mike Grim saying. Somebody score. I don't really know who because they're so far away, Daryl. You know who it is. And then yeah, we sure, gonna... sure hope you know who it is. And hopefully it's us. Hopefully it's Mohammed Ibrahim. Hope we're calling number 24 scoring as early and as often as possible. But uh, it's going to be a challenge. And they do. I mean, we will we'll riff. We'll have a good time with it. But uh, it is cool. It's New York. Um, hopefully I'll get a chance to smoke a cigar out there tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow oh, yeah. night. Uh, before the game and uh, maybe even after the game if we have a victory. So it'll it'll be a fun place to broadcast the game. Anytime you're out in New York, it's always cool. It's always special, and uh, we'll we'll make the best of it. And, and you know what? Speaking of New York, let's off script a little bit. If you're in New York, they're hanging out with the guys, bowl game, football around, superstars. It's just New York. So you could be in New York and run into uh, anybody from Michael Jordan to Spike Lee to Jay-Z to Beyonce. Uh, if you had to pick a celebrity to run into in New York that's kind of whether it's your cigar bar, who who would it be? Movie star, athlete, could be anybody. 
Man, there's not much question about it for me. It had to be Spike Lee. You know, when I think okay. about the right thing, when I think about uh, just growing up as a young man, as a, as a kid, seeing that movie, I think about uh, Spike Lee and that hot corner that they were on, and all the trials and tribulations that happened there. So if I if I bumped into Spike Lee, I'd have to take a photo with them hanging out there, and uh, maybe put it on my Instagram or my Twitter, and uh, say uh, my trip to New York. Besides that coffee cup, I gotta have one of those coffee cups they have in all those uh, detective movies out there—the blue, white, the blue cup. <laughs> I think that I have one of those cups of coffee, and if I can bump into Spike Lee and have a cigar, that'd be just about a perfect trip out to the uh, the big city of dreams. Well, if the Knicks are playing. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be in town. He's a big Knicks fan. Uh, so he's he's around. I know I know that's what I've heard as far as Nick games go. Spike likes to show up around the holidays, so this is this is the time to run into him. I might uh, invite man, him. You know, like maybe if I tweet at him or Instagram, maybe he'll exactly. Come out yeah, it's early. We got it's a midday game. He can come out and say you can come in the press box. You can hang out with us. You know, I'm sure Grim will have uh, plenty of comments. You know, Mike has seen uh, do the right thing many many times. I'm sure that he can. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, quote a lot of lines from that movie. We might have to start that. We might have to start the Twitter fans, all the Gopher fans, to start tweeting at Spike Lee to just show up to Yankee Stadium around 1, 2 o'clock, open a booth with Grimmett and Daryl, and just, just go after it. Just just do what oh, Spike absolutely. Lee does. Narr narrate the game as only Spike Lee could narrate. Uh, but looking yeah. at the game, you talked about Mo Ibram. Uh, he, he's only, I think, 50 yards away from the all-time leading rusher in Gopher football history. What does... Uh, not only, you know, where, where you stand in this, you know, hierarchy of running backs, but what has Mo Ibrahim meant to not just the program, but the state of Minnesota? Well, I think he's meant a great deal. You know, he's he's proven his um, his value, his toughness, his uh, his ability. And um, he's just been a tremendous running back. He's also been a tremendous person. You know, he could have left. He could have, you know what? I'm cool. I'm done. The young man from Syracuse elected to not play in this game. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to NFL. I want to protect my legs. I want to save my ligaments. You know, I want to I want to live to play in the NFL. And Muhammad's like, no, no, I'm here for my squad. I'm here for my team. I'm here for the University of Minnesota. I hope people from the University of Minnesota and from the city of Minnesota realize, you know, he could certainly opt out and say, you know what, I think in the best interest of myself and for um, the future of my uh, NFL career, I've elected to sit out this game and I'm going to let, um, you know, Trey Potts and the rest of the running backs have an opportunity to get ready for next year. And he's like, no, I'm going to finish what I started. Um, you know, not only does he want to break the record, which congratulations, he's a great young man. I'm glad he's, um, you know, the one that's going to do it. Um, but he also wants to go out there and represent his team and have one more victory in the maroon and gold. And for a running back, uh, let's get a little football. Let's get a little bit into the weeds on some football talk quick. Syracuse football runs a 3-3-5. Uh, for those that understand, it's three down linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. The problem with that is of the three rushers, there's also two blitzers, and it's coming from any and everywhere. As a running back, one in pass protection, how hard is that to scan and try to figure out of these, I'd say four potential, you know, three linebackers, one DB somewhere, potential rushers, but then also in the running game to understand angles, outside zone, mid zone, all that stuff of who actually is going to be double teamed, who actually is a second level guy. How tough is that for a running back to kind of figure out you what, when you we, don't What see. is a running back like, Sati? Is a three-man front. Give me oh, okay. a three-man front every single day and let my five guys take on those three guys and roll up to the next level. Mohammed will read it. He'll find the double team. He'll hug the double team. Say, hey, where, wherever there's a gap, most yeah. likely there's going to be a double team right next to it, right? Either yep. on the nose or on that tackle spot. So you get out there, hug that, and then you got to deal with that guy. 
That's what they said. Hey, you know, you don't you don't get to be a running back if you can't make one man miss. And Muhammad yeah. is a great running back because he can make one man miss. He can get small. He can wiggle a little bit. And then worst or best case scenario, he'll run over you. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, as a running back, I like a three, three, five. You know what? Let those little cute guys, Ron Johnson's, the uh, Deckers, and, uh, <laughs> you know, those little, those little cute receivers with the abs, you know, and their shirts and their tails and their, you know, the towels hanging around. Let, let those guys out there patty kick on the perimeter. Let the men do the work in the box. And uh, Mohammed in the offensive lineman will be doing some work tomorrow. And I feel like Mohammed, not tomorrow, but uh, on Thursday night, but I think he's, He's going to have this is a hundred and fifty to hundred and seventy yard game with the with the three three five, and when you look at their time of possession, and you, and you see where where they're at in time of possession as far as their defense is on the field for about thirty four minutes a game, so they have not won the time of possession battle for probably what you're saying. Teams are able to run the ball on them and grind it out. Does this feel like a game that can be like, and nothing against New Mexico State. Nothing against some of those, but does this feel like a game where this is an offensive line, this is a running back group, that this could be this game could be over by 4 o'clock because it's going to go so fast if they just keep the ball on the ground and Ethan probably only has to throw it about 12 times. Do you think this could be that kind of game? I do think that it could be that type of game. You know, I'm only mainly for what you're talking about. We average 35 yards per game in time of possession. So we're going to have the game most, we'll have the ball most likely 35, maybe even 40 minutes in this game. So they're going to get a heavy dose of um, Muhammad, they're going to get a dose of Trey Potts. You know, they might get Evans, they might get some of the other younger backs who probably get an opportunity. They deserve it. You know, they've they paved the way and they're going to um, have to take at least a little bit of a glimpse of them because that's what's uh, what the future is. So this is that type of game. Yeah, you're right. It could be over. But not say early, but that clock will be running. And, uh, you know, and that's also Coach Fleck and Coach Rock's playing. You know, run it, run it, play action, fake like you're gonna not going to run it, and still hand the ball off again. So, I mean, yeah. I think that well, it'll be a heavy dose of running uh, Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. And last one before we jump into a little NFL talk, uh, Tanner Morgan, uh, elephant in the room. Uh, I saw him at practice. He was practicing, but it looks like Ethan's getting the number one stuff. He's going to be the guy out there starting it off. They kind of already alluded to that. It's going to be Ethan's game. Uh, PJ did say if Tanner's clear and they feel like they can get him out there, he will play in this final game as a gopher ever, uh, winning his quarterback ever. But they also understand that Ethan can sling that rock, and he is the future of this program. Uh, how tough is that if you were in PJ's uh, position? How tough is that? Uh, when you have a guy like Tanner who's meant so much to the program, who's meant so much to just, you know, PJ himself, you know, one of his first quarterbacks to follow him from Western to Minnesota, uh, kind of stuck by him, even though, you know, started off wasn't going to be the starter until injury. Uh, when you look back at, at the quarterbacks before Tanner, um, what is that? How tough is that to see a guy like Tanner not be able to go out on his own terms? I think it's tough, but it's also just the it's the game, you know, Ron. Yeah. I think about you know the injuries for you, for me, for other players, mm -hmm. for for Tanner. Um, he's done a lot for University of Minnesota. He's uh, he's a tremendous quarterback, as you talked about, one of the winningest quarterbacks we ever had in the history of the program. And he is a little bit like Coach Fleck's son, you know. He's almost yeah. a, a reflection of him. You know, he's he's tough. He's gritty. He's a tiny bit undersized. He's a little bit of overachiever. And you got the young gun just kind of sitting, waiting in the wings and all that, you know, shined up, polished. Uh, you know, he can run, he can throw, but he doesn't know everything that Tanner knows. I mean, right. if, if you if you know everything, Tanner said he's seen the coverages, he's seen the fronts, he's seen all those things. I can make adjustments. He's like, Ethan's going to make sometimes a mistake, but he's also going to be able to do things that 
Tanner can't quite do. He said Tanner can't, yeah. can't quite make the plays with the legs. He can't quite push the ball down the field as hard as Ethan can push the ball down the field. Can he make the right read and right situation and throw that slant route? Can he throw the out? Can he throw the comeback? Yes. But Ethan um, gives you a little bit more, and um, that's just kind of part of the future. I mean, eventually you got to pass the torch, and I think that uh, Tanner has certainly passed the rock or passed the torch to Ethan. And when you think about P.J. Fleck, got got an extension. Uh, and for people that don't understand, it was really just a million-dollar extension. It wasn't nothing drastic or anything like that. They added one year to his contract. Uh, we asked P.J. this on the P.J. Fleck show. He said for him, it's just like it's what happens nowadays. You just keep keeping the coach around and hope that that's the coach that's going to be long-term. It, it adds value to the recruiting. It adds value to the relationship of the program. Uh, it shows the program is really serious about him being there long-term. Uh, how what what does that mean when you look at and you're a dad that has son you know that have sons and have had daughters playing college sports with coaches whether they thought about transferring whether coaches get fired or leave or whatever you've been a part of this whole college world with kids but how important is that for the parents at home uh, knowing they're sending their kids to PJ Fleck to say okay he's going to be there for at least seven years unless something crazy happens well I think it's a big deal probably more important to the people that he's recruiting. I mean, I remember uh, the recruiting process for myself and with my kids, you're like, is this guy or woman going to be the coach for my daughter or for my son? That's really, really uh, important. Is he peeking around, looking at other jobs and other opportunities? It doesn't feel like PJ is doing that. So for them mm -hmm. to extend him and also just kind of quell some of the negative recruiting that does go on out there, like, oh, you don't want to go there. They don't even know if that's going to be there. He's a carpetbagger, you know, those types of things. Yep. So, see, no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe PJ is a carpetbagger. I believe he actually wants to build, wants to be here. He wants to build a legacy here. He's, um, he's got a home here. He's got a family here. He's got a wife here. So I really feel like uh, he's here for the long haul. So I think it's a, I think it's a benefit for the university and it doesn't really, a million dollars is a lot of money, but you know, yeah. in the college football coaching landscape it's like getting the 10 percent raise you know hey good right. job you get your right. in the year we hope you couldn't go well next year you go well we'll really kick you up a notch you know because you know he'd like to be in the top you know two or three coaches and you know you right. you win a few more games you know we win that iowa game you know win a few more games you're like hey then he can be in that that upper tier he's really not that far away and he's built the program to where he's built it and we hope that he continues and you grew up here. There's a question that's been floating around on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Um, definitely the Ron Johnson joint, and we had a couple other shows bought this up. You talk about we're going to transition in the NFL a little bit. You played in the NFL. You you grew up in Minnesota, though, so you understand Minnesota sports from a pro uh, and college standpoint. Is Kevin O'Connell one of the most like light early coaches? And I know winning is a big part of it, but does it feel like Kevin O'Connell is one of the most liked? like early adopted coaches into the Minnesota sports, um, you know, the family, I guess you want to call it. Absolutely. You know, and I think winning, um, you know, I think Barry Alvarez said it best. He said, winning is the best deodorant you can have. Kevin O'Connell, he's a good looking guy and all that good stuff. But I said, hey, when you win, you can look like, you know, uh, Winnie the Pooh. And uh, Winnie the Pooh will <laughs> be on the front page of the Wheaties box and he'll be, you know, a Sports Illustrated. So the fact that he's winning, he also has a new, um, he's part of the new, coaching philosophy of I'm not going to beat my guys down. I'm not going to scream at them, holler at them, right. curse at them. I'm trying to build people up. I'm trying to help people. And I like a lot of what Coach Fleck does. You know, oh, stick. I say, you know what? Actually, it's good. What's wrong with telling somebody that they're great? What's wrong with telling somebody I believe in you? What's wrong yeah. with telling somebody, you know what? I know we're down by five touchdowns at half, but with, all we need is five, maybe six touchdowns. We can win this game in the second half. We go out and win it. So, I mean, I think that um, 
you know, it's a, it's a good, um, he's a great fit uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. He's probably um, maybe the best coach we've had since we had Bud Grant. And that's, uh, well, that's saying you. a lot. That is saying a whole lot. Yeah. Um, when you look at this playoff run, the Packers could be the seventh seed. If they win a couple games, they could get in that seventh seed. And then the Giants, I think commanders have to lose, which probably will happen. Um, the Vikings can ruin the Packers season, though, by beating them. Uh, when you look at this opportunity, one for Aaron Rodgers, uh, who may or may not come back, but but has a chance to kind of make sure the Vikings know, like, hey, you, I still own you. Um, but then also have a chance to play them again to the seventh seed. Uh, has there ever been a time where you felt like the Vikings were on top and the Packers were kind of mid-range, but people still felt like the Packers were better? Because right now, Vegas has the Packers as a three-point favorite going into this weekend. For a 12-3 team to be traveling to a team not even in the playoffs and to be underdogs, which has happened time and time again this season, have you ever seen anything like that in, in pro sports? You know what? Not very often, but I can see why. You know, and I see the Packers have a history. They have a legacy. And one thing that uh, dome teams don't like or indoor teams don't like is going to play when it's 10 degrees, 12 yeah. degrees, 3 degrees. You're outside. You can say, oh, it's tough. And you'll go out in warm-ups and have your shirt off and all that type of stuff. <laughs> so, you know, well, it's a lot different when you go out there and play for, you know, 60 minutes. You got to yeah. stand there on the sideline. And they got heated benches and seats and helmets and had warmers. I said – but it's different. The, the the climate's different. The temperature's different. Um, the ball comes out different. Um, and it's just, it's uncomfortable. There's not really anything like, you know, a Cleveland, a Chicago, um, a Buffalo, uh, or certainly not Green Bay with the, the hostile environment and the, the cold weather and that wind whipping through that stadium. It's not, I don't, and I was a Packer. I didn't really like it. And I was always, I talked to one of my buddies on another team, Benny Blades. I said, why do we play you in December in Green Bay? And then we play in Detroit indoors when, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, like uh, November, you know, right. or September. So I know it's one of the wonders of the world, but uh, it works and it, you know, it, uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be an exciting game regardless, but uh, it's, uh, it's for all the marbles and uh, dome teams don't typically do well in the cold. And when you look at a cold weather game like this as a running back, I know you you salivated this when you think about Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Dalvin Cook, and Alexander Madison, four of, of really good backs in the NFL. Um, when you think about cold weather games, though, and the Packers, we know they you know that's why, why they drafted Dillon and didn't draft a receiver. Aaron Rodgers at the time was pissed off, but now he probably is like, okay, I get it. Running the ball is important. The 49ers are doing it. Uh, but then you see Kevin O'Connell come in, and I, I looked it up, 2020, 2020 to 2021, uh, the Vikings offense was about 50-50 run to pass. Now, the same stats, first and second down is kind of what I looked at because those are third down, is a, it's, it's usually a pass. But first and second down, the Vikings are 50-50. Now the Vikings are, I think, right around 792 till about 299. It's, it's definitely two to one uh, run to pass on first and second down. Now passing heavier. But when you think about a running back like Dalvin Cook, if you were the running back in this situation, how would you make sure that you stayed involved in the offense knowing it was a passing situation or this is a passing type of offense? Like how do you go to coach or, you know, do you stay after for practice and work on some routes? Do you say, hey, coach, line me up out wide, uh, but, but, you know, without feeling like, you know what, eventually they're just going to get rid of me? I think you got to lobby for it a little bit. I also feel like, you know, a coach and Coach O'Connell's smart. You know, he's kind of mm -hmm. smart like a fox. He's kind of, 
you know, kind of whole hums his way. He's smiling around the sideline. He's also willing to get in somebody and talk a little bit. But I feel like when you play in the, these type of temperatures, it's the running game is uh, important because passing games get out of sync. Guys lose their footing at the line of scrimmage. They lose, you know, run that slant. You slip a little bit. Then the ball hits someone, goes in the air. Next thing you know that, uh, you know, someone else, it gets bobbled, it gets tipped, or it gets intercepted, worst case scenario. So if you can get a team out of sync, be really, really aggressive at the line of scrimmage because I'm telling my corner, hey, you know what? Get that chuck, get that jam. Don't let that guy just come off all comfortable and run his little cute route. I said, you let him, you let him know where you're at at all times and put them in long yarded situations. And then they've got to, you know, continue to throw in the ball. So you have got to lobby. And O'Connell knows that. He knows more about football than you and I probably put together. So I mean, he mm-hmm. he's got to have um he's got to have his game plan and Delvin Cook. Needs to be uh, he needs to be a little bit more of a priority this week if they're going to come out successful in Green Day. Yeah, and then last one going back to uh, New York City. Um, when you think about the Gophers, and I know you're, you're you don't have your keys yet, but when you think about the Gophers, Syracuse, uh, what has to happen in this game in order for the Gophers to walk away victorious? Because PJ right now is undefeated in bowl games at the University of Minnesota. So what does he have to do to walk away again with the victory? Well, their quarter, their running back's not playing, and their quarterback is second leading uh, rusher in the game, and he's um, he's accounted for twenty four total touchdowns on the behalf of Syracuse so far this season, and he's a very good, big, athletic, Josh, you know, type the the quarterback they got in the Buffalo Bills. He's kind of in that mold. He's a college version of him. He's physical. He likes to run. He likes to play action. He throws pretty good. They got a nice tight end. They throw the ball to a lot as well. But uh, stopping the quarterback being physical with him and not going for the play fake. I'm a big fan. He's, you know what? I accidentally robbed the quarterback's cage. Put your put your shoulder pads and helmet in his rib cage a couple of times when he decides he's going to run and make it the, the, sec- the running back that's going to start has 26 carries on the season. So oh, okay. that's uh, – he's not used to carrying that type of workload. He's going to get in the bowl game. He'll be fine, I'm sure. He's thrown for a touchdown. He's successful. He's I'm sure he was all state or all something when he came out. But it's, it's different, you know playing on uh, Saturday than it is playing on Friday night, as we know that's different playing on Sunday as well. So I think that the the main key is to stop that quarterback, get around him, get him out of sync. And, um, you know, if he tries to run the ball, make sure you wrap him up and bring him down. There you have it. Yep. Garrett Schrader, we're coming for you. Six, four, no six, five, 230. So, and this is the thing people don't understand. When you look at the, when you look at positions like quarterback it says 230, but by this time in the season, He's probably about 235, 240, because he's had some food. He hasn't worked out as much. Quarterbacks don't run as much as they do in the summer. Uh, receivers, running backs, their weight usually stays about the same. Quarterbacks, they usually gain a couple LBs. And so he's more like 235, 240 right now. Uh, but he is a big load. He does run the ball well. Um, and with their running back out, as you stated, he's going to be the one to get the ball. So, yeah, Tyler Newbin, keep your eye on him. It's going to be a good oh, one. Absolutely. I don't want to thank Daryl Thompson for joining me in the Hang Around Johnson segment. Coming up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Got a little special treat for you. We got Sam Ekstrom, myself, and we got a little guest joining us this week on the Ron Johnson Show. Stay tuned for that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
And if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube, where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comments section below. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the Ron Johnson Show as your first listen today. Hey, how about for your second listen, you check out Locked On Sports today where you get team insiders bringing you behind the scenes with the biggest stories in sports in 20 minutes or less. Instant reactions, game recaps, Locked On's take of the day. It's Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for Luke Inman in the Daily Three. And we've got a hot topic to start. Now, we, we brought this up on uh, the Minnesota football party yesterday, generated a lot of discussion. I want to see what you guys think. If Week 18 means nothing for the Vikings. One seed out of play, locked into the two seed. Mm -hmm. Would you sit Justin Jefferson if he's close to the record? Maybe he doesn't have a good game against the Packers. Maybe he's too far away. But what if he's close? Would you sit him? Would you play him? Our guest, Luke Inman, will give you the first crack. Yeah, tough question. As hard as it would be to rest the guy with NFL records on the line, I think it's so tough to justify playing my superstar blue chip face of the franchise player. If you're telling me, Sam, that it's a meaningless game, knowing full well, I need him healthy and 100% ready to roll for the playoffs just a few days later. But having said that, I really think when you look at these scenarios, the good news is for the people who want to see him go break these records, I can almost guarantee you that week 18 will not be a meaningless game because regardless of what happens with the Eagles in that one seed, the Vikings now have to worry about the Niners who are only one game back in the three seed leapfrogging them because they own the tiebreaker, which is conference record. And given the Niners scheduled these last two weeks, think about it. The Raiders, they're out of playoff contention. The Cardinals, also out of playoff contention. Ain't no way they're losing those games, which means the Vikings have to win this week and next week in almost every scenario you go through to make sure they keep that two seed in place because as bad as going into Philly would be in that NFC Championship game, I can promise you going into San Fran would almost be equally as tough. You do not want to go into San Francisco with all those bad memories. What happened in 2019 when Kirk and company got ran out of town? Not to mention... I think the Niners are just playing with house money right now. They look like the best version of themselves they've been all year. We know the defense led by D'Amico Ryans. He'll be a head coach next year. It's just an absolute powerhouse over there with Nick Bosa at home. I just want nothing to do with it. So I can almost guarantee you we will see J.J. and the starters week 18 doing everything they can to win that game. And at the same time, We'll see if he can break some of these NFL records along the way, which is going to be a lot of fun just to watch unfold throughout that last game. Quick question here for Ron. He's a former wideout in the NFL, Gophers Hall of Famer. We all know it. Which record, Ron, is more impressive to you? The 2,000 yards receiving record by Megatron or the Michael Thomas's reception record? I think it's set at 149 catches. Which one, just as a former wideout in the league, most impressive? And I guess a harder feat if J.J. could only break one of those. Uh, I'd say the yards. The yards mm-hmm. to me is more important than catches. Catches you can feed a guy. I mean, if you think back to the Michael Thomas year two as well, it was a ton of one step mm-hmm. hitches. It was a ton of slants. It was a ton of quick stuff from Drew Brees. Um, and not to say that wasn't part of their offense, but that was part of their offense. We you don't see Kevin O'Connell having Kirk Cousins look over, come up, and just throw a dart to JJ right now. Like, Because some people call it a now route. Like, literally, you put your foot in the ground once. You don't even – it's not even a step, really. It's just one one pound, 
boom, you just it's an arrow route, dart route, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it the now route. Um, but you're just coming down the line flat, not really a slant. You're just coming down flat because you know whether the backer is so far over, he can't help. And you have a lot of feel. You're on the opposite hash. And then you're just giving it to your receiver, moving full speed in. And now if he can, you know, either outrun the corner chasing or he can stiff arm him or just get you four or five yards. And uh, Michael Thomas did it. The yards, that one's tough because you can mm. give somebody. I mean, you literally can just throw the ball to JJ 50 times in a game just to give him a record. Like, hey, just I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to throw you a quick out and throw you a quick out. Just keep doing it. And then you give him 50 catches in or 20 catches in a game. Um, that's that to me is more impressive if the yards um my answer to this though quick jj week 18 it, it's all about the playoff picture to me but honestly i, I like where it, it kind of was bought up there uh by by both of you is where is he at when it happens like does he have a good game against the packers because if he's 180 yards away from it going into the bears i don't know if you if you face that giant like i don't know if you try to you know take care of that but if he has like 130 against the Packers and now he's about 100 and some away, I play him. Mm-hmm. I, I think I play him. And so when you look up the playoff picture, though, the commanders are seven and seven. The Giants are eight and six in the hunt. You got the possible. We keep forgetting because we keep saying Seahawks or sorry, we keep saying Packers. But the Lions, mm-hmm. if the Lions beat the Bears this week. And then the Lions also win next week. And I think they have the Packers. Um they could be in the playoffs. And then if you look at Seattle, they play the Jets. They could be in the playoffs. So even if I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks, Lions, Packers, and the Commanders, because I think the Giants at 8-6, and six, they have the Colts. They'll probably win that, so they're probably safe. Um, but the Commanders, Seahawks, Lions, and Packers all could make the playoffs. That's crazy. That's really crazy. And right now, the Lions have the tiebreaker over the Packers. So that would be even more interesting if the and, and the Lions are hoping now the Packers lose to the Vikings. But if I if I had to pick between even Seahawks, Lions, Commanders, I think I want the Commanders. Mm-hmm. I don't want the Seahawks or the Lions either. So I think that's going to be the key for this is where are they at in the playoff hunt? What happens in this Packers game? Do I rest JD or not? Can you imagine week 18 Lions at Lambeau versus the Packers? One of them winning in, one of them you lose, your season's over. But, I mean, nobody ever thought at the beginning of the year that this was even a possibility that we would be in this situation, that one of these two teams winning in last week of the season. Lions, are you kidding me, versus the Packers, who are obviously struggling compared to expectations before the season. Pretty wild to think about. Yeah. Yep. um, And real quick, to Luke's point, it's unlikely that the Eagles win, the Vikings win, and the 49ers lose. That's the only scenario where Week 18 means nothing. Odds mm-hmm. are there will be seeding possibly at stake. Um, moving yeah, on. 49ers beat the Raiders for sure. Yeah, yeah feels that way. Um, although it is on the road, and the Raiders might you know, take a lateral pass and intercept it for a <laughs> touchdown to win. The, I don't know, something crazy like that. Gophers bowl game Thursday afternoon. It looks like Ethan Kaliak Manis probably going to be the starter for the Gophers. And I think we weren't really sure which way this was going to go. We thought maybe one last ride for Tanner Morgan in a Gophers jersey after all that he's given the program. Do you agree that Kaliak Manis is the right man to start this game against Syracuse? Or do you think Morgan should have gotten one final start? We'll go with the former Gopher, Ron Johnson. 
Yeah, I, I do think uh, Tanner should get to play. I don't think about starting, though. This is the problem. Ethan Kelly McManus has earned this spot. Like, everybody knows he's the future of the program. Daryl Thompson uh, bought up just, like, what football is about. And and uh, if you want to go back and watch that, but, you know, layman's terms of, like, football is injuries happen. And so it's not one of those things. It's not the storybook ending. Again, another Hollywood type of movie. That would be great to watch, like, the star player uh, – having to like sit out his very last game ever uh, being the winningest quarterback in Gophers history. And that could be a movie. Cause then you want to see what happens next. Does he go on to become an offensive coordinator? Does he go on to become a head coach? And you know, 30 years from now uh, he's rowing the boat somewhere because he's, you know, PJ Fleck, you know, took the oar and, you know, hit him on each shoulder. And he said, you know what, you've been knighted. You can have the row the boat uh, wherever you go, Tanner. And so Tanner takes the row the boat with him. Cause PJ has allowed Tanner to, to, to borrow it. Um, but it's one of those things where Ethan Calic Manis has earned this. Uh, I'm pretty sure because PJ Fleck bought this up on the PJ Fleck show that you know they're going to try to get Tanner in there if they can. But it's also about the medical staff. Like if he's not cleared to go in, you can't do it. So I, I think if you want to win this game, they're nine point favorite. I would put my money on that favorite. I think they can win by ten. Uh, Daryl Thompson brought up the three three five and what a running back sees. Hey. I think this is a, this is a recipe for Mo Ibrahim walking off into the sunset with maybe a 200 yard game on the ground, solidifying his draft status. Luke, yeah, I mean Ron hit on a lot of good points. Not a ton to add. I mean, heck of a ride for Tanner, man. Who's kidding? Who? Not many collegiate players get to be cemented in their team's quarterback role for as long as he was for the Gophers, and I think everyone's always going to appreciate what he did for the program and coach Fleck as he kind of first started to get this whole thing off the ground his first few years. It was a lot of fun to watch collectively that body of work he put together, but I think the show's over fellas. It's Ethan's time. Now Ron said it best. He's earned it. And if you want him to be the best quarterback he can possibly be, then he needs every rep, every snap, every read he can get in and outside of the huddle. And there's just no better way to earn that valuable experience than actually playing the game. Not to mention being able to play in his first bowl game, no less. I think it's just so important to his development, his progression as a quarterback to play in a game of this magnitude under the big atmosphere and the energy and the pressure. Even if it's not the biggest bowl game in the world, as some I get it, it still means the world to a lot of these players and coaches. And as much as I think you know, we'd all love that, you know, what Tanner has done. I think even he knows it's probably time to pass the keys over to Ethan, give him much support as he possibly can, and let him grow, again, just into the best quarterback he can be for 2023 and beyond. Because I just think win or lose, Ethan can grow so much from starting and playing in a bowl game like this, given where he's at in his young career, with such little experience under his belt, I really do. Ron brought up a great point, though. The dream scenario, you're up two possessions, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. You can sneak Tanner in there just for a little bit of, uh, you know, nostalgic sake and just a little say, you know, a farewell to the crowds over the, the Gopher fans there. Uh, that would be a great ending to kind of ride out in the sunset for Tanner, I think. Ten seconds. Ron, does Tanner Morgan spend training camp with an NFL team next year? Ooh. I don't think so. I, I think he uh, he might spend OTAs. Um, I'm not sure he makes it to training camp. That's just me personally, uh, especially with the injury. Who knows how serious it really is? And that's what we don't know. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. I think I think he does. I think he – maybe not training camp like Ron said, but I think he's on a roster. At yeah, some I think point. somebody picks him up. I think, yeah. I think he definitely has practices as an NFL quarterback. Uh, he puts on the jersey. All right, last one. Rudy Gobert, guys, got benched in the fourth quarter at Miami. Now, this was a Miami team that didn't have anybody 
Their bigs were hurt. Jimmy Butler was hurt. They had a small lineup, and Rudy Gobert was supposed to dominate them. But they benched him in the fourth quarter for Nas Reed, and the Wolves lost that game by three in a road game they should have won, needed to win. Are the Wolves officially in crisis mode, Luke Inman? Yeah, yeah, you know me. I usually plead the fifth because you two are more the NBA savants than me. But just to my just surface-level average basketball mind, the Wolves are in serious trouble any way you look at it. I mean, you trade the farm, mortgage the future for a guy who just never really fit the identity, I guess, of this NBA small ball in the first place. And now you can't even find court. Uh, you can't even find the court full time. I mean, make matters worse, too. I've been thinking about this. Backup Nas Reed looks not only better than him, but he's been here the whole time. So it's not like you didn't know how good Nas could be if given the opportunity to see the court in a larger role. And then just to pour a little bit more salt in the wound, I see Walker Kessler out here who you traded away for Rudy, just ripping it up as a rookie defender, averaging a couple blocks a game. It's bad news bears right now, guys. I mean, I just, I'm not sure what salute, what, what good solution there is or how they can spin this, I guess, in a way that, they can at least just salvage the pieces when this is all said and done. I just don't. I guess my question for you guys, is Rudy playing so much worse than he did last year? Like, I see the box score. He's averaging 10 points, 10 boards a night. What did he average in Utah last year? What kind of player statistically did mm-hmm. we think we were getting? Or is this more about the defensive player we thought we were getting? And he can't do that either. Yeah. I, John Krasinski had a good article about this um, and The Athletic, and he's down – Couple points, couple boards, and I think most concerningly, he's down about a block per game, which is pretty okay. noticeable. Uh, okay. All all around, he's down. And this is where I go with it. I, I think they are in crisis mode, but they're in crisis mode because of themselves. Like I think they put themselves in this position. When you look at it, and that's what I was looking at. When I when I see a question like this, now it's twenty nine games played compared to last year's sixty six, and the year before that seventy one. He's always been a 14, 15, 16 point type of guy. So not big numbers. So, you know, he's at 13.9 compared to 15.6. In my opinion, that one point is nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at his field goal percentage last year. Yeah, 71% this year, 66. But in the past, uh, when he had Donovan Mitchell, you look at he was a 66.9, a 69.3. So, again, not a huge, like, you can kind of say from year to year, 21 to 22. Yep, that's a big jump and like, you know, not getting as many dunks. Uh, but he got a ton of alley-oops from Donovan Mitchell. If you think about it, the game I watched with the Dallas Mavericks that I went to, uh, the, 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 the drive and feed from, uh, from uh, Ant Edwards was mm. awesome to see. And I was like, why don't they do that more? Well, you can't do that more because Cat's in the lane sometimes too. Rebounds is a big one. You know, almost 15 rebounds a game last, 15 rebounds a game last year, now at 12. That is big. Like, what's going on there? Why isn't he carving out more space? Has he, has he lost his aggressiveness? And then the blocks, I think that's another big one. You know, he almost averaged three blocks a game in 2020, and now he's at one. So, again, is it that he's not being able to be in the lane because of who he's guarding? Are teams figuring it out that now they're like, you know what? And I say they just are figuring out, but more teams have gone to the three ball. And so they're taking Rudy Gobert out of it. It's not like he's not – he doesn't want to block shots. Is he not getting the opportunity to block shots? And so – like you said, when they go small ball, nobody's driving on them. Those guys are all pick and pop guys. These guys are all going to shoot mid-range elbow jumpers. And so on the offensive board, yeah, you should take advantage and kill it. But then if you shoot a three, if I shoot a three and you shoot a two, I'm going to win. And that's what teams are doing. They're they, the, 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 and that's why I joked about like trading Gobert or trading. I don't know if they, the, the uh, Warriors would do it, but I would trade Cat for Clay. 
Like I would say, mm-hmm. hey, I'll give you Carly the Towns. You give me Clay Thompson. You have a big with Steph and 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 uh, Wiggins mm-hmm. and Pool because Pool, Clay and Steph. Long term, I don't think it's gonna work money wise unless Steph and Clay are willing to take less. But we know Clay wants a big payout. He wants to he wants to be considered one of the best shooters, which he is. So I think it's a little bit of crisis mode. I think it is because Rudy Gobert's production is not there, and so you got to figure out a lineup that works for him. But I want to thank Luke Emmett for joining us on the Daily Three today. I want to thank Sam Ekstrom for producing the show. I want to thank Daryl Thompson. Great stuff there. Looking forward to this bowl game. I'm going to be listening to K-Fan because I got to hear the radio of Mike Grimm struggling to call the game from the end zone. (laughs) Daryl Thompson said as well, it is tough. We have to go to the TV copy, so the TV cameras aren't helping them out. Mm. Lord help them because it is going to be fun to listen to Mike Grimm kind of get a little bit pissed off when he can't see who just scored or who is that. What is that a one yard line? Are they on the two yard? Did they score? What happened? You know, like Mike Grimm's not going to be himself like he normally is when he's kind of on the 30 yard line at at Huntington Bank Stadium. But I'm Ron Johnson. Again, that's Sam Ekstrom. That's Luke Inman. I want to thank you guys for joining. And remember, people, Amazon Fire and Roku, just download those apps to your TVs. You can get all of our videos, all of our shows anytime you can just go on your tv and watch us and also locked on sports we have a bevy of shows we got the football party on mondays and thursdays check that out as well and we always have a great guest on the ron johnson show in the hanging ron johnson segment so please go back and watch previous episodes and subscribe when you get on youtube subscribe to the channel and then you'll get all the alerts every time we upload a new interview or a new video i want to thank you guys and have a great day Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.